Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, the podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 84 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony, and we are happy to have another week to drink a little bit of beer with you and talk about the Bible. It's going to be a good night. Yes, it is. Um, Had a good week. Michael, how's your week been going on, man? It's been pretty good. We've had some exciting things happening at work, um, but not really a whole lot of actual work to do, which is a weird (laughs) place to be in. So um, just some cool opportunities for us, and um, we think it's going to lead to some really cool stuff down the road. Sweet. We've been doing that, and we're, you know, staying busy as much as we can, and we're all good. How about you, man? Uh, I'm still, I'm still in busy town. Um, our company, you know, we're we are growing, and I uh, we're we're getting to the point now where we need to hire a lot more people, um, and so it's stressing out a lot of the people who are at work. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good times, man. We're we're having a good time. We're rocking and rolling, like just like you guys. We have a lot of exciting things happening, uh, for us as a company. Uh, so and the family's good. We're we're just hanging out. We're in the we're kicking off summer this week. Uh, my oldest has been at, at a vacation Bible school this week. Uh, I think when uh, when this releases, it will be fourth. It'll be like the Friday before Fourth of July. So um, happy birthday, America! I guess. Uh, it's not really the birthday, but you know, it's when we celebrate. So happy Independence it's, Day! It's like it's like American Christmas. That's right. It's not the actual date of birth, but <laughs> it's the day we choose, we have chosen to celebrate it. That's right. So uh, glad for Independence. Uh, glad that we have a free country, and grateful, and everybody enjoy a little bit of beer this weekend and some barbecue and whatever else it is you do. In, on the, in, the, in the words of Mel Gibson, freedom. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Braveheart. That was amazing. That was amazing. So not American, but whatever. Here we go. Not American, but here we go. Um, so, uh, Michael, what do you have? Because yours is a lot more fun than mine is tonight. <laughs> so tonight I am going back to the High Wire Brewing Company. They are based in oh, I should have looked this up and, and I don't remember. Um Wait, when did we do a high wire? It was a while back. It's it hasn't been well, yeah. We've done a couple. I did the Raspberry Wow from them. Yep. I did a high um, wire, didn't I? Yeah, I yes, did the American you did. Lager. You did. Um, and the can's not telling me where they're based out of. So, high wire, if you are listening. <laughs> where are you from, high wire? <laughs> hang on, hang on. We have technology. Uh, North Carolina. They're in North Carolina. So, um, high wire brewing is based in North Carolina. I have the Mexican hot chocolate 10W40. Um, and this is a seasonal, I think, and they actually have a different 10W40 out now. That's horchata. Ooh. So that is what I'm going to be looking for next. But um, in the meantime, I've got the Mexican hot chocolate. It is an imperial stout with chocolate, vanilla, cinnamon, pasilla, and then the, to tap it to top it all off, Carolina Reaper peppers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so in the in the vein of what Anthony did a few weeks ago with the uh, habanero apricot wheat um i decided to go um just a little spicier and get the carolina reaper peppers so nice i'm interested to see what this is going to be i like chocolate and i like spicy and i like beer so So, we're gonna find out Um, what is there not to like about this beer (laughs) exactly um eight percent abv and that's pretty much all i got nice Anthony, what do you have tonight? So tonight I'm going to the town city of Tuscaloosa, Alabama for Druid City Brewing, and I have uh, on tap the Parkview Porter. Um, it is, uh, I, I didn't, there's nothing on their website. They don't even list it. On, I'm, I'm really good at finding the ones that are not on the website. 
Um, but the Park View Porter literally has nothing to say about it on the can. You don't has, have ABV or nothing? It's got 9.2 ABV. Oh, snap. That's a good one. So, yeah. Um, all it has is the government warning. So I'm guessing this is just going to be uh, kind of a generic porter. Um, so we're going we're gonna to see what happens when it comes out. I'm looking at the pictures, and it is definitely dark. Super dark with the dark uh, dark foam going mm-hmm. on. So so uh, I'm optimistic yeah. about how good this is going to be. Yeah, the pictures on Untaps for mine are also dark. Kind of looks like the Hershey Porter looked with the very dark body and then the uh, kind of light brown foam mm-hmm. on top. So um, we're going to find out well, and see what happens. There's only one way to find out, and that's to crack them open. So let's get going. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Smell test is going pretty good here. That just smells like chocolate, so not too spicy yet. Oh, my. (laughs) And this is a pint, so I don't think it's going to get all the way in my glass. And I did not pour adequately. So <laughs> this one is definitely dark. Oh wow! I messed up, I messed up there, Aaron. <laughs> it's like half head, half half beer. So I'm just gonna have to sit. And... My, so uh, so what else is going on this week while we're waiting on <laughs> Michael's uh, head to go down? <laughs> I know that's that's messed up. I'm sorry. Oh well, man. Maybe I should insert some Jeopardy music right here. Hey, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna do the the finger, the finger trick to make it go down. Trick. Of course, now <laughs> I have to. Now I have to have beer on my finger without. I may just have to bite the bullet and just drink it as is. Let's just do that. That's fine. Um, right. Of course, I don't have a napkin, so I just have to <laughs> awkwardly hold my finger so I don't drink it or anything. Let's do it. I'll swipe it on my finger. pants. I'm throwing. I'm throwing these pants away anyway. There's a hole in them so all right there's a fly in here bam oh missed him are you are you editing all this out probably <laughs> i hope so all right <laughs> maybe clap. not i may leave some of it in there <laughs> that could be some of the intro stuff there you um, go okay so here we go all right well we've got them let's drink them and let's see how they taste let's do it so bottoms up bottoms up That was all foam, so I got to go again. <laughs> I'm intently watching Michael's reaction to see what happens here. <laughs> I can feel you watching me. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, you want me to go? Yeah, you go first because okay. mine is definitely normal. So okay, um, it's not bad. The it, the flavor profile is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you kind of experienced this, except you had fruit and not chocolate. Yeah. Um, this tastes very much like if you've ever had like a chocolate bar with peppers in it. I've never had that. They they make those where they put like, they make like spicy hot chocolate. That does not sound spicy appealing cho- to me Like at a all. spicy chocolate bar. <laughs> um, you got to be careful because the, you can get more spicy than you care to really quick. Yeah. Um, See, I get I get all the flavors. There's I taste the chocolate, the vanilla, and the cinnamon. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what pasilla is, but how do you um, spell it? P A S I L L A. And then the spice at the end is subtle, but it it sticks with you. It's dried chili peppers. Oh well, then there's two different kinds of peppers in this thing. Yeah. Um. So. It's pretty good. Um, Michael is not impressed. No, no, I am. I'm just. <laughs> I've seen. I feel this like look. I feel like I feel like you and I have different metrics for what deserves a five. That's probably true. Um, so to me, I can't give this a five, even though it exactly descri- is a perfect description of what the beer is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just because of my. 
my taste or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. It, it's not a it's not a beer that I it's not even like a dessert beer. So I'm having a hard time pinpointing like what application would be good to use this beer in. Yeah. You know, um, but I mean, the flavor's good. It's a it's a pint. So it's you know, there's four to a pack. Excuse me. ABV of 8%. I don't really feel that yet, but... Um, I mean, it looks like motor oil coming out of the can. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I'll give this four Luthers. Okay, four Luthers. I'll give it, I'll give it four. It's, it's a solid four. Um, it's pretty good. Like I said, flavor profile's good. Texture's good. Um, you get every flavor you're, it says you are supposed to get, you get... Um, it's just not my personal favorite, which is keeping it from getting a five, right, or a four and a half even. But I'll give it four Luthers. Okay. It's still good. It's not. It's not bad. Well, there you go. Four Luthers for the Mexican hot chocolate. I just, I just love saying the name Mexican hot chocolate. That's <laughs> that sounds fun. I feel like Mexican hot chocolate should be like actual hot chocolate with tequila in it. And you know what's weird? As I've drank more of it, the spice is not as uh, pungent. Okay. That's the way the the uh, habanero apricot was. Like to start off with, it was really weird. Did yours have a lot of head on the top? It did when you first drank it. No, it didn't have a lot, but it was. So I poured it up really, really easy, so it wouldn't foam too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say this: so I gave the Huck Finn five Luthers, and after going back, I probably would not give it five Luthers again. I gave it five Luthers simply because. It was so like outlandishly out there, and mm-hmm. and did exactly what it was supposed to do. It, it, like it kind of caught me off guard. That's and that's what made me give it five losers. But I drank a couple of more, and I was like, "Meh, it's okay." But it's it's definitely one of those like that's one of those you drink one and you're like, "Okay, I drank one, so I can say I've had it now." It's like you, if it's like if we ever found like a pickle beer. Yeah, they make those. I I, I remember you've said that before. <laughs> they make um, those. I and have I no intentions on getting one, but they. Make I can't them. find one. I would. Lo- I would think I would love to try one, but um, I think this is in that same vein. I'll drink the four I've got. Um, probably not like after cutting the grass or grilling kind of thing. It's yeah. just, this is a late night dessert kind of thing. Um, but it, it's not bad. It's just not my. Total favorite, yeah, but still, still a pretty good beer coming in at Fort Luthers. Well, there you go. So the Parkview Porter here, um, I got about, I got about half of mine down. This is, this is what I kind of have come to expect out of a porter. It's, it's really good. It's rich. Um, it's got great balance between the the coffee and the chocolate flavor that goes into a porter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the flavor of it is really good. The texture of it is really good. Um, it's not quite as thick as I was anticipating it being. So it's a it's a and I, and I don't I'm not a huge fan of like super thick milkshake style beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's actually a, a plus on it. So it it that being said, it's not a five Luther just because I'm not a huge super huge porter fan. But uh, but I'll come in and I'll give this one four and a half Luthers. Okay. Um, so it's because it's got the flavor is there, the the texture is there. Um, as far as you know, porters are concerned. I this this might actually be one of the the favorite porters that I've had. Um, just because uh, just the texture and, and the flavor profile is is kind of to my liking. Um, but but that being said, you know it's kind of just a random normal port like it's not even on their website a lot of people drink it on untapped it's got a lot of a uh, lot of reviews on untapped and most people give it uh for for ib or not uh, for ibus give it four stars on on untapped so i'm uh i like it a little bit better than that i'll give it four and a half but uh but yeah excellent job there druid city uh that's, i think that's the first beer we've done from druid city we've done several it from is. tuscaloosa but uh, first one from Druid City, so so four and a half stars uh, from me on the Parkview Porter, uh, four stars on the Mexican Hot Chocolate from Michael, um, and there you go. There's a little bit of beer talk, and uh, after we take a short break, we're going to come back and we're going to dive in everyone's favorite subject, which is husbands and wives and how we should 
love each other. So stick around and we will be right back. laughing at me because that's what we do in between the break we joke with each other <laughs> it's true You're, y'all's y'all didn't bre- think y'all's, we were serious did we y'all's break is like i don't know 20 30 seconds but sometimes it'll it'll, it'll be 10 15 minutes before we get back to recording so <laughs> let's just say this our hour-long podcast usually starts at about an hour and 45 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes and you guys get the edited version so there you go <laughs> maybe someday we'll do a Dude, rock by hat. the way, come on, Patrick. <laughs> come on, Patrick. That's a great shirt. So That's modalism. All right, Anywho, Anthony, what are we doing? So, so tonight we're going to talk about husbands and wives. Um, we're moving. Last week we talked about slaves. We talked about masters and, and how um, we should be interacting in society with you know our bosses and that kind of stuff. We took a few rabbit trails last week, but... It was still a good discussion. So tonight we're going to move into husbands and wives, and this is uh, necessarily controversial territory um, because anytime a man talks about the way a woman should be carrying herself, it is considered mansplaining. And so we will not do much mansplaining tonight, I hope. We will not do much mansplaining, but I our, hope that we will stick to Scripture. Our goal is to not mansplain, but jesus explain. That's right. We will be Jesus planning tonight. I don't, that know. Almost... I, I don't know. That sounds worse, actually. <laughs> yes, it does. Let's backtrack. Tonight <laughs> we're going to just te- we're going to teach from the Bible, and <laughs> that's we're, we're going to study do. Scripture and we're going to apply our lives the way Scripture teaches us to apply it. That's what we're going to do. Um, so we're in First Peter, we're chapter three, uh, and we're going to look at verses one through seven. And I'm going to read uh, verses one through seven from the ESV. So if you have your copy of God's Word, feel free to pick it up and, uh, and join us in, uh, in 1 Peter 3. So Peter says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the Word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let uh, your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be hidden, the hidden person of the heart, which is the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. And so you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Um. The, the first thing that jumps out at me on this, and, and I, I know we've kind of talked about it, is Peter spends a lot more time talking to the wives than he does the husbands. Um, I think that's because he knows the husbands can't handle more than like six words at a time. Well, if the husbands of the first century church are anything like the men in the current church, easily distracted and <laughs> yes. not paying attention much to begin with. Um, like, I picture Peter like talking, you know, having this conversation with a woman or something like that. And then he looks at the husband and he like grabs him by the cheeks and he's like, you got to love her and you got to do this and you got to do that. You got it? Okay, good. <laughs> I, I kind of picture it more like the women are attentive and, and really paying attention and all the men are like off looking off and Peter's got to be like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> You're probably right. Probably that too. <laughs> so, um, so, First Peter three is a continuation of um, the concepts and ideas from First Peter two. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter's continuing his instructions. He he starts off uh, this chapter with in the same way. Um, so he's talking to believers, um, 
in chapter two who are slaves and submitting to their masters in the same way wives submit to your husband submit yourselves mm-hmm. to your own husbands. Um, I think it's important, and there's a lot of things that's going to be important in the in this episode. So I'll probably say that a lot. Um, it's important to note that when he says submit to your wives, that does not mean obedience. You mean submit to your husbands? Wives submit to your husbands. Yes. <laughs> Dude, nouns is hard. Um, <laughs> nouns is good. You're no, right. so when he says wives submit to your husbands, he's not saying wives obey your husbands a hundred percent of the time. Yes, that, that's got nothing to do with what Peter's talking about here. Submit here is more of um, you think of like a military uh, ranking of somebody where um, if you are a lower tiered person, you submit to the role of your superior. Mm-hmm. The same way um, the household has been set up where the man is the head of the home mm-hmm. and the wife is to submit to the husband. Um, and, and she's really to see herself as, or she's really to rank herself under her husband's authority on purpose and intentionally. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Peter, and yeah, and Peter, you know, he goes on and says, even if they're not a believer, yeah, that that's the thing that in in our church mindset today is like a no no. Yeah. So and Peter's saying, you know what? You may be married to an unbeliever. Submit to him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting and a different perspective on submission than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in no way I. I think it's it's pertinent for us to point out the fact that Peter is not saying that you should live in submission in in well, let me rephrase that. You should live in oppression in a in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not condoning that at all. I, I have actually heard preachers use this and say that there's no reason at all for a woman to object to a husband or a wife to, to object to a husband. And that could be further, could not be further from the truth in the context of these verses. Right. Because, and, and we're going to get to that, you know, uh, because we're, we're talking about wives first, but we're, we're going to talk about husbands later. But this in no way is condoning or, um, putting forth that that abusive relationships you should just submit you should just be like oh mm-hmm. this is what it is and i'm going to submit and i'm going to try my hardest not to not to cause him not to trigger him to to abuse me or whatever yeah. um yeah. if if that is the case you you get out of that relationship first physically mm-hmm. and then you can pray you can meet you know there there are circumstances you can put yourself in to say we're going to work on this relationship but i'm not going to physically be in your presence right now yeah and 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 men i think we need to we need husbands we need to look at this and say first peter 3 1 through 6 is not for you no it's not and 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 if you're a husband trying to use first peter 1 through 6 to say you're my wife you are to submit to me that is abuse of the scripture and, yeah. and and you know, um, we, we're not to be using it as a like a prod to our wives, saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, Bible Bible says you got to submit." Yeah, uh, that's you know, P- Peter starts it with, in the same way, wives. You're not a wife. Yeah. So until until you see husband somewhere, <laughs> um. <laughs> I hate to say you can skip over this section, but you can skip over this section. Yeah. It's 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 okay, you know. Um, it, it, you know, and and I think about like I have two kids, and me and my wife will be having a conversation, and one of my kids will come up and be like, "Hey, what are y'all talking about?" And I'll be like, "We're not talking to you, so it doesn't matter." You know, it's mm-hmm. it's husbands, you're you're not to insert yourself into this conversation and say, "Hey, what are y'all talking about?" This is. Scripture speaking directly to your wife, and and it's telling her exactly what she's supposed to do. Right now, I think it's important for you to know it. I think it's important for you to to be able to have that accountability with your wife. Um, but but let us be clear that submission really is a two way street, 
and there is a big, big difference between submission and servanthood. Yeah. And submission does not equal servanthood. She mm-hmm. is not to do whatever you tell her to do because she is submitting to you. Right. She submits first to God, and then she submits to you. And so, so husbands, if, if anything else, this whole section is actually more of a warning to you about the way you're supposed to be treating your wife than it is about your wife and the way she's supposed to act towards you. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a there's a couple of other verses um, in the New Testament that that kind of talk about this um, in Ephesians five. Um, these are Paul, right? Uh, I can never keep yeah. it all straight. So Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians, Colos- Ephesians and Colossians is Paul. Um, sorry, that may, that sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sure, but <laughs> I, trust me, I I have notes. I know what I'm talking about. Um, so Ephesians five, Paul says, um, "Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord." In Colossians three eighteen. He writes again, wives, be submitted, uh, be submissive to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Um, and so, men, what those are saying is wives are to be submitting to their husband, not to all men. Yeah. And, and, and Peter even says it twice in these six verses. He says, yeah. to your own husband. Mm-hmm. So, guess what? Michael's wife isn't supposed to submit to me. Yeah. Because I'm not her husband. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that, that's a, that's another aspect, you know, why women are not to submit to all men, right? They're submit that's to, not, yeah, they, they submit to their husband and their yes. husband alone. So pastors, I'm sorry, that doesn't mean that women are your servants, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever, um, it doesn't you want mean to them, every yeah. woman in the church is to submit to you. Right. Is not what that means. And if you if know. you're a pastor and that's your mentality, you probably need to vacate your pastorship. But that's a yeah. different discussion you, to be had. You might want to turn off our podcast. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so so he talks about wives, and and then he goes into this section on adornment. He spends a, a few verses talking about adornment, and to to me, this is this is almost kind of weird because he's talking specifically about the the relationship between a husband and a wife and then he talks about how the wife is to present herself now i mean i maybe it's me maybe i don't know but when i think about presenting yourself i think about presenting yourself in public in in culture okay and and i i think that's that's an aspect of it and i do think culture plays a lot into this because i believe that peter is saying hey Culture tells you you're supposed to do this and this and this. You're supposed to dress like this. You're supposed to look like this. You're supposed to be this skinny. You're supposed to, you know, all the things that that culture tells you you're supposed to be. And then Peter is saying, no, you don't do any of that. But you find your radiance, you find your beauty in the joy of your husband, Mm -hmm. which is not done by any of that external stuff because your husband is supposed to love you for who you are, not for what you put on. Right. You know? So he spends this time talking about, you know, you don't get dressed up and you don't braid your hair and all this. And and I, this, sh- this is not to be interpreted to the far swing of, well, women have to wear, you know, long skirts and they have to dress a certain way. And if they wear pants or if they wear you know, yeah. a certain type of clothing that they're obviously sinners and hussies yeah, and all there's, that kind of there's stuff. A, there's a, like, an idea in culture where you have that perfect woman picture and yep. women chase after that and men, husbands or, you know, husbands or other men or whoever, that's what they want out of their wives. Um, but one, it's an unrealistic expectation. Two... It should not be our. It should not be the focus of women to no. look a certain way, dress a certain way. Like if your joy is found in anything other than Jesus, I feel like we say this all the time, but you got to check yourself. You yeah. know. So, um, yeah, the the external beauty of a woman, while attractive, and, and there are there are mm-hmm. times when yes, that woman is beautiful, but. Men, how much more beautiful is your wife when you know that she is on fire for Jesus, um, serving yeah. Jesus, doing you know, serving you as a 
godly wife should. Um, yeah. And then how much more so are you willing to serve her when, when the, when she's radiating that joy of the Lord? Yeah. If your wife cannot delight in who she is and can't be comfortable in who she is, then I think the husband, you need to, you need to check what you're, what you're telling your wife, what you're saying to your wife, mm-hmm. you know, and and I you know I think about guys who always tell their wives or something something like this. I wish you would dress up more. I wish you would lose a few pounds. I wish you would do this or I wish you would do that. And they always say, well, it's it's me looking out for her or it's me, you know, encouraging her. Nope, no, it's not. Well, that's not how that gets translated, fellas. So so I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there. I am not a woman whisperer. I do not understand the inner workings of all women. But I know my wife, and I know what she responds to. Yeah. And and my wife responds to me encouraging her. My wife responds to me being uh, a supportive husband of things that she wants to do, trying to find ways to support her yeah. and be submissive to her so that she can be the woman that God has made her to be. You know, do everything in my power to make her. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, yeah. But— well, you were fi- you were fixing to say something, and I know it was going to be a great point. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so David Helm, he's he's written a book. I don't have the title of the book here. Um, Anthony may know it off the top of his head. Um, but there's a quote from it, and I actually looked it up, and there's another quote that – there's two quotes that I – there's the quote you had and then another quote mm-hmm. that I think are very, very profound. Um, David Helm wrote, The pressures placed on Christian women by today's culture are nothing short of oppressive. I think about that. We we see like people claiming oppression all over the place and people saying, oh, I've been oppressed because of these things that I can't control or I've been oppressed because of whatever. But if guys, men especially, think about this, your wife is bombarded with yeah. magazine, TV shows, movies, inter- like the internet is full of articles mm-hmm. of what the perfect woman is supposed to look like and and you know, believe it or not, she takes the brunt of that and is like, and thinks, am I good enough for my husband? And if you're not encouraging her, if you're not pouring into her, if you're not spending time with her and, and, and making her your, like giving her your full undivided attention with uh, any regularity, then those thoughts are just going to snowball and snowball and snowball into this big thing that could ultimately drive a wedge between the two of you. Yeah. So yeah. guys, seriously take time to, sh- to, to show your wife that you treasure her and that you cherish yeah. her for the woman God made her to be, not the woman society thinks that she should be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if we actually did what Ephesians says that we should do we loved our wives the way Christ loved the church mm-hmm. that he would give himself up for her you know i i think guys need to think long and hard about uh what it means that Christ would love the church that he would give himself up for her yeah you know um because there's there's not a lot of times where Christ says oh church you need to do this to be a little bit better or church you need to do that to be a little bit better no he says he says I'm going to push all of the bad myself. I'm going to push all the bad out of the church. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to give myself up for her. Yeah. He's constantly fighting for her. Yeah. And so even today, he still is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's a second quote from, from David Helm there um, that I, I actually found it. So you don't have it in your notes. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Um, <laughs> so David Helm also wrote that Peter wants to free women from the obscene obsession of looking good. Yes. And, and men, again, like, like Anthony was just saying, if you are constantly telling your wife, I wish you'd do this, I wish you'd lose weight, I wish you'd, you know, whatever it is, you're not doing your wife a service. And Jesus, if Jesus doesn't treat his church that way, you definitely don't have any ground to treat your wife that way. Yeah. <laughs> so... Instead of focusing on the external, um, 
Peter tells us in the next couple of verses that God is really focusing on the internal beauty. Um, and, and he calls it the, the hidden person of the heart. And, and I think it's important to, to understand that, you know, we, we have this, we have almost like two types of personalities. We have like our public personality and we have our internal or our private personality. Um, but Peter is really focusing hard in these, in these next few verses on the internal. And he calls the beauty of the soul, something that is imperishable. Now, Again, this language, Peter's using this language, take it back to chapter 1 when he talks about our inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled. Yeah. Um, this is the type of beauty that he's looking for. He's looking for this inheritance type. This is this is almost akin to salvation type of language here. Um, and, and, and husbands, if you care about your wife, if you care about her soul, you're going to care about the state of her soul before her maker. You're going to care that your wife is, is living... Uh, a godly lifestyle. She's representing Christ effectively where wherever she is, whatever she's doing, and you're doing anything that you can to support that. So that's that's where the beauty of the woman comes from. It's from this imperishable uh, part of her soul that is is either going to spend eternity in heaven or it's going to spend eternity in hell. And what are you doing as a man to guard her, to protect her, to fight for her? and to lead her into paths of righteousness. You know, we always talk about, well, and, and Peter even brings it up. He talks about, well, Sarah called Abraham Lord. Okay, well, guess what? Abraham probably did a lot of stuff to deserve to be called that. I, I You know, I, right. I can't say I was there, but I feel like, you know, reading the story of Genesis, I feel like Abraham was a very good and strong leader for his household. Sarah trusted Abraham. Sarah felt like, Abraham's got my best interest. He he's looking out for us as as a couple, and and even to the point of where you know they have kids and they have Isaac, and um, then he goes to sacrifice Isaac. You know all of that. There's the Bible doesn't paint a picture of Sarah doubting her husband, right? And and I think we need to look into that. Now, I I will say this: this is also a word of warning to the women, women. Please understand the pressure that your husband is under. You know, he he might be trying to do something that is that is hard and that maybe you don't understand, and it's something that you guys need to talk through, okay? But understand that that your husband might be looking out for your best interest. That is that is entirely possible. Yeah. And so as much as we're, we're hounding on, on the guys here, and, and I think we should, I think women, it, it's also a, a, a sign to say, hey, sometimes you just got to look at your husband and say, I trust you, I support you, 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 you know, talk to me, be, be confident with me and tell me these things because I, I know for myself, they don't just, they don't just flow out. I'm, you know, I'm not this super emotional. I'm just going to spill all the beans. I'm going to try to keep as much of it pent up as I can so that yeah. I look like I have it under control. Yeah. And so sometimes wives, the only safe place that we have to unleash this kind of stuff is with you. And so we need that safe place to go. I'm going to unleash this and know that it's not directed at you it's not demeaning to you, but I've got to get this off of my soul so that I can continue to lead effectively. Yeah. Husbands and wives both, there's a, um, my wife and I have been going through this marriage class thing at our church, and it's it's been to, like, create creating us a deeper relationship, and a, a lot of good has come out of it. Mm -hmm. It's not that we were in a bad place before, but one of the key things that we've learned is that husbands and wives, we need to be believing the best out of the other. Yeah. So husbands, believe that your wife is, is, is being the best wife that she can be just because she burnt dinner or forgot to pay a bill or fresh, you know, whatever your frustrations are, like believe that your, that your wife has the, has your best in mind and wives mm -hmm. likewise believe that your husband is doing everything he can to lead you and your family. Well, um, and, and that's not to not, and that's not to be like, um, 
I guess, passive or like ignoring if, if there's signs that there, he's not. Yeah. But if you don't have those signs, then, then I then believe that your husband is doing the best that he can. Yeah. Um, well, I think that when it comes to something that needs to be confronted, when you come into it with the attitude of, look, I know that you're doing the very best that you can. I know that you're doing this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about this because I think this is having a, an unintended consequence that you may not see. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's an attitude that says, I'm here for you. I'm supporting you. I'm submitting to you. But I think we need to address a couple of things versus, well, you got to fix this and you got to fix that. Yeah. And then on the flip side, husbands, you know, same thing to your wives. You know, if, if you're, if your wife is a stay at home mom or if your wife works or whatever it is that your wife does, you know, we have a tendency to say, well, if she's a stay at home mom, obviously she just sits on the couch and watches soap operas all day long. Cause that's what stay at home moms do. You know, don't believe that. Don't, mm-hmm. don't say that. You know, my, my wife does stay at home, but she also homeschools our oldest daughter. Um, she cleans, she cooks meals, she grocery shops, she does the laundry, she does the dishes. Well, now my oldest daughter's doing the dishes, but you know, she has all of these other things that she's doing mm-hmm. while I'm at work. So it's not like she's sitting at home, you know, watching TV all day long. Yeah. You know, uh, her work is different than my work. And so I can't let the frustrations from my work come home and spill over to, well, you've just been sitting at home all day. What have you been doing? Right. You know, and, and on the flip side of that, my wife does an exceptional job of when I get home, it's not immediately bombarding me with this has got to be done. That's got to be done. This has got to be done, you know, because she knows that I've been at work all day long and I've dealt with a lot of frustrations at work. And so we, we both have this kind of understanding of we each have our own role and our roles complement each other. And when we live inside of these roles and we encourage each other in our roles, our relationship works. Yeah. I was just thinking how many big arguments or fights or whatever you want to call them could be avoided if husbands and wives came to each other with, I know you're doing the best you can. We need to talk about this instead of, instead of the accusatory, well, you don't do this and this and this, and I always have to do this and you never do like, (laughs) like how different would our relationships be if we could approach each other with the, it's, it's a very humble place to say like, I know that you're doing a ton for us, or I know that, you know, mm-hmm. what, whatever it may be, I know you're doing a ton for us, but we need to, we need to have this discussion and doing yeah. it in a non-accusatory manner. I understand that's very difficult. Yeah. I, I know it's very hard to have that discussion and not be accusing your, your spouse. But if you can have that conversation, you're going to ha- end up with a much deeper relationship with your spouse a much deeper understanding of your spouse because yeah you may be addressing something and your spouse isn't even aware of it or they have mm-hmm. a different perspective on it yeah and and so getting to the point where we can be open and honest with each other without being so attacky mm-hmm. well i i feel like would do a huge part would have a huge beneficial result yeah in yeah. a lot of marriages. This this is going to be a slight rabbit trail, but I'm going to tell you something that, that my wife and I did almost 10 years ago now. Um, you know, I, I've worked secular jobs. I've worked church jobs. And, and one of the things that we did about 10 years ago was we disconnected our cable. Um, and, and you're going to be like, what? how does that affect anything? Well, through a few discussions with my wife, she said, I feel like everything you say is negative. Everything you say mm-hmm. is you're, you know, you're, you're putting this down or you're putting that down or there's a cynical tone. And Michael knows this. I'm a cynical person to my core. Um, everything just breeds cynicism within me. So I have to watch that. I have to be careful about that. Um, but what we realized was, I was submersing myself in news outlets and keeping up to date with everything that's happening in, in culture and in politics and whatever it was. And that was bleeding over into my conversation with my wife. Mm 
And I didn't intend it that way, but it did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I still contend. For me, it worked. For you, it may not. I don't know. Everybody's different. But I always tell people when they're when they come to me and they say, you know, we're having constant fights and constant bickering, and and she never sees it my way, and I never see it her way, and and we're always kind of just picking each other. I always go, what outside influences do you have in your life? What do you mean? How much news are you watching? How much news are you reading? You know, how much time do you spend on social media? How much time do you spend looking at this and that and this and you know, all these other things? And then I, you know, nine times out of ten, you can say, okay, well, if you cut that in half, or you cut three quarters of that, or you just cut it out altogether, do it for a month and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, when I cut cable off, I was like, man, my life is going to end. I'm not going to have anything to do. Well, that was the beginning of what led to me, you know, becoming the the reader that I am today. I don't even watch TV most days anymore. Now, I still stay up to date. That's the funny thing is I feel like I'm more up to date on current events and things that are happening, but I feel like I have a different perspective on them because I'm not being fed that perspective from a news program or a, a 24-hour news cycle or some website that wants me to believe what they want, you know, what they think I should believe and I I read multiple different areas and and that has led me to the type of person that I've become today. Mm-hmm. And it, and what I found is it's cut down on the amount of cynicism I have in my life. Now, Michael's going to say, there's no way you've cut down on the cynicism because... <laughs> well, I only know you... I've only known you for three years, so that's, that's the... Well... That's I, all I I'm, have to go on. I'm half the cynic I used to be. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, if, if we, as, especially as believers if we can get to a point where we're cutting out anything that makes us negative, because if you're a believer in Jesus, you have the joy of the Lord in you yeah. all time at all. That's at all times. Yeah. And, and so being this negative Nancy is not an attractive trait in anybody. But if you're a believer, like if you claim to be, to be a believer, but you're always like negative or mm-hmm. I mean, can I say this? I don't know, but if you're always pissy, you know, <laughs> I like like if you're always that guy, like, do you really have the joy of the Lord? And, and, yeah. and that's a serious yeah. question. So if you're if your first response to someone telling you something is to try to negate it or say something the opposite of it, you might want to look into that. Yeah. Because that's where I found myself. And and I say that I say that from an area of love where I have grown because I used to be that guy. You know, you the sky is blue. No, it's not. You know, <laughs> it did, it didn't matter what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to oppose you on that because that was my nature. That's what I had been built into. Right. And so because because culture, you know, culture told me I need to do this and I need to do that. And so that's uh for whatever it's worth. That's that's a little rabbit trail that I, I don't know that we necessarily meant to get on, but you know what? It's okay. I think we. I think some of our. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that some of our deepest points that we've made have been on rabbit trails. That you're exactly right. So okay, you're so we've exactly talked. Right. So we've talked about the wives tonight. Let's let's move into the one verse out of the seven <laughs> that Peter gives us in regards to husbands. Um. So basically, Peter has said that men need to have an understanding way with their wives. Um, this is an attitude that should be very considerate of the state of your wife as the mm. as the weaker vessel, as the um, – how does the ESV put it in verse 7? Um, so it says – let me flip back here. Sorry, I should have. It says, live with your wives in an understanding way, understanding showing way. honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Weaker vessel, okay. So, in our current day, I can't, I don't know about when Peter's writing this, but in our current day, this language that Peter's writing with is antithetical to manhood. Because mm-hmm. it requires men to show emotion, yes, towards your wife, and, and that's not to be like, "Oh, you're a wussy if you cry," kind of thing. Like, yeah, men, it's okay to show your emotion and not just anger either. Yeah, yeah, and and it's interesting here that he talks about, uh, or that he says, the woman. Um, uh, 
I guess uh, uh, when you get into the actual translation, it would be it would be considered the female one. So he's he's not necessarily talking about he is talking about your wife, but he's not talking about her as your wife. He's talking about her as the female partner of you, the female one of you. Okay, and that is what should elicit honor, and that's what should bring out the the idea that that you are to treat her differently. Mm-hmm. Okay, because she is your wife, but also because she is different than you are, and and you know we're not going to get into the transgender debate tonight, but but let's just say that point blank, men and women are biologically different. Um, you know they are men are biologically bigger, stronger, faster than most women. You know I'm I'm sure there's several women who could beat me up, but. But biologically speaking, my bones are more dense than a woman's. Biologically speaking, my muscle mass is bigger than a woman's. Um, you know, so so we're. It's not that one is better than the other, but it's that one is different than the yeah. other. Do you think that Peter? I just had this thought. Do you think that Peter, when he says the female one, um, he is focusing on the unit of a husband and wife? like the family unit and saying the, like when he says the female one, he's saying like the female half of that unit. I, I, I mean, I think so because I mean, if you look at, if you look at the first when he's talking to the wives, he's very specific in saying, you know, wives, you're submit to your own husband. He's okay, very, it's, focused a continu- on, it's a continuation of that. Yeah. Language. It's, okay. He's very focused on the family unit. Okay. And, and if you talk about society today, you you look at the destruction of the family unit, right? And so, you know, you have to read you have to read scripture in its context. And the context would say they're trying to build the family unit. They're trying to focus on the family unit. And so, I think that's a fair enough. Uh, I, I'd actually never thought about that. That's a really good point. The that uh, because if Peter says, you know, wives submit to your own husband, and men take care of the female one, your wife essentially is is. Mm-hmm. another way to say your that. own wife yeah your own wife then then he's really focusing on this interrelationship between the man and the wife specifically mm-hmm. this is not boys and girls dating this is not um engaged. a man and some other woman engaged this is specifically between a man and a woman and the union of a man and a woman in marriage we'll save that debate for another day um so, but even though husbands are given authority in the marriage, they're mm-hmm. still co-heirs in the inheritance of salvation. And I, and I think that's a very distinct point that Peter brings out. He's he says, "Yes, she is the weaker vessel. Yes, she is the complementary vessel to you to what you are. She's mm-hmm. the female to your male." Um, you know, go back to the creation. God created them male and female. And so she's the female to your male. Um, but but when it comes to your standing before God, you're equals. You, there is no difference. You're co-heirs. Right. And so you have to respect her in that co-heirness. <laughs> That's is I don't know if I just made that word up or not, but, no, but that, That's a word. that status of co-heirs says that that you're the same. You're there's no difference between you and her in your status in Christ. And so you need to recognize that and respect that and honor that. Right. And so and that and that's where you get a lot of the the uh men that would you need to, you know, live your life in a way that honors her to the point where you would die for her. Yeah. You know, you you would give your life for her. That that's what Ephesians tells us. So um a man that does not honor his wife will be hindered in his spiritual life, which is the next point that Peter makes. You know, I, um, I, I'm going to read it in the ESV, and I want you to read it in the HCSV because I know yours is just a little bit different, but um, we got to the point where it says, we honor the women as the weaker vessel since they are heirs, um, and then they're heirs so that your prayers may not be hindered. And I, I think it's interesting, and, and I think it's very poignant for men to say, all of what we've talked about tonight will effectively hinder your prayer life. Yeah. So if you're mistreating your wife and if you're not treating her as a co-heir and you're not treating her as Christ would treat the church, guess what? 
your prayer life's going to be jacked up. So mm. if your prayer life's jacked up, then you might want to go, how am I treating my wife? Because yeah. I probably need to look at that. Yeah. Yeah, husbands, your your number your number one priority other than following Jesus is to lead your wife. It's mm-hmm. it's not to lead your kids, it's not to lead a business, it's not to lead a neighborhood or a church or you know, whatever it is, it is to lead your wife. Yeah. And at some point your kids should you, you lead your kids for a time, sure, but even then your number one priority after following Jesus is to lead your wife. And yeah. so if you're not honoring her, if you're not leading her, if you're not encouraging her, if you're not treating her like the treasure that she is, I mean, Peter lays it out clear in, in the HSB. It's almost exactly the same. It says, okay. so that it says so that your prayers will not be hindered. Um, but if you're not treating your wife the way that Christ would treat his church, your prayers aren't going to be effective, no matter how yeah. hard you pray them. Yeah. Well, this is this to me is essentially like this half of a verse is the exact same as the four verses that Peter Peter spends talking about um, a woman mm-hmm. and her external adornment. Okay, mm-hmm. because because guys, if if you're not treating your wife right, then your spiritual life is going to suffer. Okay, well. What do we like to focus on as guys? We like to focus on our jobs. We like to focus on our status. We like to focus on our bank accounts. We like to focus on what cars we drive. You know, we're, we're keeping up with the Joneses. That's that's the same for guys as putting on external adornments is for women. You know, yeah. what, what women find in looking a certain way, guys find in having a certain status. Yeah. And... And so we're just wired differently because we're, we're wired differently because we're yeah. different creatures. Shocker. <laughs> so, but but Peter lays it out right here with without really going into it. He says, if you're not honoring your wife, guess what your 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 spiritual life is going to be is going to be a wreck. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a deacon and you have all of this success and you have you know the the right car and the the right kids and your everything appears to be right in your life. Everything if you're is not awesome. Your, <laughs> thanks, Lego. Um, if you're not honoring your wife, guess what? Everything is not awesome. Right. You know, I, I like what Wayne Grudem said in, in the quote you put here. Um, so concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that he interrupts his relationship with them when they are not doing so. Yeah. Like that's, it's such a poignant thing to think about that God is willing to say, dude, I'm backing out until you get this worked out with your wife. Yeah. Because, yeah. You, because I've called you to be the head of your wife. Yeah. Yep. And if you can't lead her effectively, then guess what? You can't have, you, you're not having an effective relationship with me. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, it's uh it's challenging. It is. It's it's challenging for us guys and a lot of these verses like this are challenging for us even though more of it was was there's more words written to women. I think these verses are more challenging for men than they are for women. Because right. it lays out pretty simple. Women, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. You know. Uh, for guys it's like, hey guys, guess what? Your job's a little bit harder because you're supposed to be the leader and you've got to get this figured out. Yeah. And so, so, you know, uh, I want to, I don't want it to sound like we're, you know, we started this talking about we're, we're just going to bash on guys and then we did bash on guys. But, um, guys, I want this to be an encouragement to you. You know, you can do this. Scripture has taught you that you can do this. Yep. You know how to do it. You're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're supposed to support her. You're supposed to, in some ways, you're supposed to submit to her through supporting her. Yeah, it you know, uh, the biggest thing you can do is help your wife succeed in whatever it is that God has called her to do. That's the biggest thing you can do as a man. Yeah, and and sometimes that means being emotional. Sometimes that means having feelings. And I know we don't like to do that, but it is what it is. Yeah, you know. And so we have to be that for our wives because that's what Christ was for the church, and that's what we're supposed to imitate. Yeah. 
here's here's a crazy thing quote that I've heard a, probably a thousand times and it's usually used for people who are called into ministry or called to go on a mission trip or something but I think it applies to men who are called to be husbands and why and women who are called to be wives God does not call the equipped he equips the called yes and so if you've been called to be married and you are a husband and you are a wife then God will equip you to be the husband and wife that he wants you to be if you are willing to submit to God which gets back to submission yeah <laughs> well amen to that and and I think that's a great place to to wrap up the discussion for tonight so Michael, if they want to find us on social media platforms, where would they find us? You can find us on Instagram by search. Oh, sorry. Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast. And you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, discuss anything that you have have questions about or any suggestions for future episodes or any beer suggestions that you have for us that you think we could get our hands on. Um, we'd love to hear those from you. And um, we've got some exciting things in the works for the podcast. Yep, yep, yep. And um, we hope to be able to share some of that very soon with you guys. And um, in the meantime, just keep reading the word and keep enjoying good beer there you go so until next week let your beer be cold let your bible be open and we will see you later peace out